0: It might feel in like the darkest moments that that's all there is, but it will shift. And I think the biggest turning point for me was starting to see it as, as much of a gift as possible than a curse and really trying to harness any of the negativity around it into positive experiences. Uh-huh.
1: Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. I think it's pretty common for so many of us to have this feeling like we're not able to bring all of ourselves out, particularly in the workplace. It's a feeling of knowing that we might have more potential and knowing that there's more in us, but feeling a little bit stuck and feeling like we're not bringing 100% of ourselves to the table in our professional lives. And I believe, you probably know this if you've been listening, but I believe that as women, we have this incredible well of gifts and talents and capabilities. And I think a lot of the times we second guess ourselves and we question ourselves. And sometimes we even sabotage ourselves, which is horrible, but it happens. And I think it can leave us feeling like we're not really fully giving everything and embodying everything, which is frustrating because that's kind of a happier, higher performing version of ourselves. So who wouldn't want to do that, right? And it can be especially frustrating when you feel like maybe you're the one getting in your own way. I know that I have certainly felt that way so many times in my life. And I think sometimes when you're feeling stuck in that state, it can take something like some kind of big shakeup or some kind of big thing to wake you up to see like, holy cow, I'm not doing as much as I can do. I can be speaking up more. I can be contributing more. I can be taking the lead more. I can be sharing more ideas. I can be catalyzing more action in my job and in my career. And there are all these things that I want to do and I'm just not doing. And that shakeup and that realization can be incredibly important in moving us out of that state of not living out our fullest potential. And the really cool thing about this episode and this conversation is that today's guest experienced her own shakeup. She experienced a really big shakeup and wake up call in her life, and it helped her see that she was super far away from living out the life that she wanted to live and living out the fullest version of herself that was brave and bold and did scary things and really brought everything she had out into the world. And because she went through that journey herself, she has now dedicated her career to helping other people kind of shake awake and help them see how much they have to offer and how much more they can bring out into the world in an authentic way, a way that feels good and a way that helps them move forward in their career. And that's what this episode is all about. So, if you like mindset conversation, if you like to get advice on how to step into your highest potential, you will love the advice that Jess shares. This was a very special conversation. Jess has a really incredible story. So I'm going to get straight into it now, let you meet her and enjoy. So, hello, I'm another Jess, Jess Ratcliffe,
0: and I'm a coach. So I help individuals and teams. Step into their full potential really by helping them build their product mindset and then applying that mindset to their personal growth. So my background, as you can probably imagine, is in building products. I've been doing that now scarily for over 10 years. And that started with starting my own company when I was 19. And that was a video game swapping website. I used to play a lot of video games. And I ran that business for about two and a half years based in, as you might be able to tell from my accent, based in the UK. And then after realizing that business was never going to get to where I wanted it to get to, I packed it up and went and joined another company. So I felt like I wanted to really explore what was bigger, like how I could impact something bigger. And so that led me to building products in gaming, particularly in children's education, and then on to digital healthcare, both of those were in the UK, and then also spent about three years in San Francisco. And then the coaching part all sort of kicked off because in 2016, my life changed ultimately. Out of nowhere, I was diagnosed with a life threatening and ultra rare blood disease. Around one in 1.3 or something ridiculous million people have it. And I just suddenly found myself facing my mortality, which I had never experienced before. And just felt this overwhelming fear that I was barely scraping the surface of my potential and that, you know, I was sort of there thinking, holy shit, I think I'm going to die. And literally I feel like I've given like 20% of what was possible. And particularly in those last years running up to it, you know, I felt like self doubt and sort of the negative narratives that we had had just held me back from really just going, you know, showing up fully way too much. Like they had been running the show way too much. And so I made a commitment to myself to create the life that I want so that if I was to find myself facing my mortality again, which given the situation and the diagnosis was very possible, that at least I would feel like I'd given it everything and that I'd stepped up and really gone for the life that I wanted to create and built the person that I want to be. And so that's where the product mindset came in. I ultimately started rebuilding who I am into the person that I've always wanted to be. And now my mission, and it has been now for the last two years, is to help as many people as I can reach to do exactly the same. So I do that through coaching individuals and teams. I told you it would be long. I can't ever sort of do like a nutshell.
1: Hi, I'm Jess. Full stop. That's totally okay. I think that your story is just incredible, incredible. And for anyone listening who isn't familiar with product, could Mm. you share a little bit more about what you think of as a product mindset, what that means? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So for me, the curiosity of how can
0: we learn from building products really came from this question of, you know, if we can have Incredibly successful products out there, like a Facebook, like you know, that's always the prime example. But literally something that goes from being an idea to serving billions of people, surely we can build the people we want to be, and we can extract frameworks and methods and tools from building products such as problem solving, right? Really focusing on like what's the pain that we're solving, and in that, even down to like the essence of like prototyping, right? How do we test stuff? You know, if we have an idea for a feature or muscle we want to build in ourselves maybe that's confidence or you know perfectly timed like speaking up more in our communication or you know putting ourselves forward for projects that we've never previously put ourselves forward before we can look at that like building a muscle and really what would be the minimum version should we say of like what we would want to do or feel to step into that and how do we test ourselves before we're ready Get something really scrappy and like, you know, the whole test early and often. Like, there's so much stuff that can be extracted. Like, it really is insane when you think about it. Did that make any sense?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. So would it be fair to say, like, this is how I think about it, but let me know if this is right. Like, a lot of creating a product is like, how do we get from point A to point B? Which point B being the thing we want to build, and then all of the steps that you have to take along the way. And so, a product mindset would be, if I want to get myself from point A to point B, what has to happen? How can I do that in little steps? How can I test things? How can I problem solve and troubleshoot and iterate until I hopefully one day get to point B?
0: Yes, exactly. And that was the whole sort of start of it really, is I think one of the biggest things that can hold us back, especially in personal development or personal growth, is that everything just feels so big, right? Like this changing who we are or like evolving who we are, even down to speaking up in meetings or leading projects, like it all comes with this, almost these narratives that are so binary, right? It's like, oh shit, what if I fail? Like massive, scary fail. Or like, what if I never, like such a grand word, like what if I never do this? Or, and I remember thinking to myself, like before I did quit my job, thinking what if I never get a job again? It's like, literally, what a ridiculous thing. Like it's, we can do, like once we put ourselves in these situations, it would be possible if I'd wanted to, to get a job, right? It might not be one I wanted, but it's like we say all of these scary things, which then hold us back before we've even tried. And so it's exactly that. It's what's my, what do I think my point B is? Like, where am I right now? What's point A? What do I want point B to look like? And how could I possibly get there? But then I think the key is just starting, right? Because if we look at that massive gap between a and b which might not be massive to others but to us feels really scary to put our hand up and say our ideas out loud or start a business or start a podcast you know and actually if we can just look at what's that first step actually like just to kick this off what would be the first thing right maybe it's coming up with the name of the podcast or it's saying something in a meeting to then realize (laughs) oh this isn't that bad you know it's that tiny step which then we build the confidence through taking action that will then get us to the point B that we want to get to.
1: I want to ask you, go back and ask you a quick follow-up on your health issues, if that's yeah, okay please, with yeah. you. Go
0: for it. So
1: I, I'm really fascinated by this idea of a product mindset and it's, it's a fairly analytical process. It's kind of, I would say like very left brain, it feels that way to me. And it's interesting because your experience with your illness sounds like it felt like a very emotional experience mm. for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm quite fascinated by this intersection of like problem solving and figuring things out, but how we feel and what inspires us and what drives us. So I would just love to hear how you experienced both sides of that coin, having a mission that is driven by something different deeply personal, and probably deeply scary. And then building this beautiful, analytical idea and framework that you apply to your work that you apply to yourself and has kind of been the basis of how you accomplish your goals. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're totally
0: right. Because for me, it was heavily emotional. And also it gave me an emotion that I don't feel i had ever previously experienced, you know, in on many levels like the first being facing mortality and so for me the fear that i felt was like just absolute overwhelming almost like this heat just completely absorbed my body because i genuinely thought in that moment that that was it like i thought i was going to die and obviously with that comes some you know physiological symptoms and so my heart sort of felt like it was beating funny and i don't know what had happened but i just I was like, I think this is it. Like something sort of came over and I was like, I think this is actually happening. And then what very quickly followed was almost an anger at myself. Like a literally if this is it and you have no more time to do anything else, why have you been holding back? Because of these like potential fears that actually probably will never manifest, right? In terms of this, oh my God, what if I start this thing and I fail? Like when do we ever really fail? You know, we spend so much time spinning up these fears that then hold us back and actually like the chances of them actually happening are very small, right? When actually we can counter it, we can work into it. So, um, but the emotion side, yeah, I think it's almost hard to describe, I guess. I think it was, if I can put any sort of analogy to it, it was just the thing that lit the fire. Like it was this urgency that I suddenly had that feeling which anchored everything else. You know, I could now look back on that moment and think, whoa, like I do not want to feel that overwhelm of potential regret ever again. And it definitely diminishes, right? Time goes by, that was in 2016. We're now like three years later. And it can feel weaker, but then I go in for treatment, which I'll have for the rest of my life and get a reminder again. And so I almost call it the greatest gift I've ever had really, because I'll never fully be able to forget that I have this thing and that I was a ticking time bomb who really is very fortunate to be here. But then the shift from that intense emotion into action and planning came from being an idiot and Googling (laughs) the condition and basically reading that the median survival rate after diagnosis is 10 years. And so I was sitting actually in the seat that I'm sitting in right now thinking Holy crap. Like, what if I had 10 years? And suddenly that became something where it was like, okay, if that actually was true, just for an exercise, if I actually had 10 years, what do I want to do? What impact do I w- like want to have? What life do I want to create? Um, and then luckily found out that the chances of it being 10 years are um, not the case, but it really just for a long time until I actually sat down and had to ask my doctor, like, is this true? Um, yeah, in front of my mom, which was like a whole different, I was like, I'm gonna ask a question that's possibly going to upset you right now. But I need to ask this for my own sanity. And as soon as they sort of said, like, now you're on treatment, you know, you should be absolutely golden, then I could sort of ease that a little bit. But that was the starting
1: point for me was that framing and that, yeah, what if what if I had 10 years? I'm sure listeners hearing about this are wondering, like, how are things for you now? And what is your outlook now? And then we'll go deeper into mindset stuff. Yeah. So now that I'm on treatment, I should be absolutely good. So I just get regular an infusion of
0: a particular drug, (laughs) like the sort of science of it. I still don't fully understand, but it basically, I call it my superwoman juice. And I've just tried to reframe that from being this negative, like, Oh, great. I've got to go get, you know, this treatment that keeps me alive to like this being this real positive and like somewhat trying to think of it like, the equivalent of a spider's bite that turns me into Spider Man. So I'm very well, thank you. And hopefully, Touchwood will be as long as I'm on on that Superwoman juice. And in honesty, like, I think now it's just become something that is so a part of me. And I guess, again, when you mentioned, because it's so easy to think that, you know, that we're just having this casual conversation, but if there is someone listening who is in that immediate aftermath of something happening or something changing, it might feel in like the darkest moments that that's all there is, but it will shift. And I think the biggest turning point for me was starting to see it as as much of a gift as possible than a curse, and really trying to harness any of the negativity around it into positive experiences. So you know, when I first started going for treatment, I'd make sure that I went to like my favorite coffee shop after and like grabbed my favorite coffee, or even before, and then like had it while having treatment and you know, went from just sitting there while it was like going into my system to then thinking, shit, well, this is my time where I can like read or like listen to an awesome podcast. And it's just that thing of like, what can I do? What am I in control of to make this the best that it
1: can be? Wow. Yeah. I think that that um, is super inspirational and I'm really touched by that. And just like this idea of like just staying present, with it, like getting a coffee, listening to yeah. the podcast, you know, yeah, um, and just like I'm here right now, and I think that can be really powerful.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So it, it sounds like you know when you received this diagnosis, it shook you, and two things happened from from what I've what I'm hearing in your story. One is like you were able to see many realities that existed. You were able to see things more clearly, and and one of the things you saw was. The gap between what your life did look like and what you wanted it to look like, and how maybe that gap was motivated by fear or keeping yourself small. But then upon seeing that, it also catalyzed you to want to take action. And so, like, there are really like two things that came out of it, which is seeing things for really how they are, and then also wanting to take a path that's maybe like a path less beaten or a path that feels more wild or more risky but more authentic to you and in your work now you kind of give people that shake up right like you help them see the ways in which they're not operating at their full potential and ways in which they can tackle scary things head on and so for anyone listening how might you work with someone to Help them kind of have their own shakeup, so they can have this moment of like, "Oh my gosh, I'm not showing up the way I want to show up."
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's a few ways in which I have tested this and like played, as you can
0: imagine, product mindset, played around with this over over the time. And one is actually that I typically start a lot of the group stuff that I do with a visualization. So it's designed to create as much as possible that wake up call. So I guide them through this visualization around defining and seeing their most extraordinary self prompted by this question of you know who do you want to become like what does your most extraordinary self look like how do they walk into the room do they smile when they wake up like how do they feel you know like walking around the world how do they feel then I basically take that all away and say like you know now imagine that that just turns to darkness and today was your last day or tomorrow was your last day you know based on what feels right and that everything you see, like everything you've just let come to mind, where you literally have just sat with your eyes closed for a couple of minutes, really just to create this like, and I even like feel it again as I say that out loud, you know, this like inner, Holy shit, I've got to get on with this. Like I wanna go, you know, I want to do this. I think one of the biggest things I've realized is that as soon as we can shift the fear of doing something to the fear of not doing it, like that's when we'll show up differently.
1: I love that so, so much. Like, you have no idea how much I've been thinking about that with this show, too, because it's so easy. It's so easy to say, like, I'm not going to set this career goal or I'm not going to dream of this thing because I'm not good at X, I'm not good at Y. And I think that it's so, so important to just start with what you want. You know, like, what do you want your career to look like? And I think that a lot of times as women i don't think we reach for these higher things like i think it, it can be hard for us but as as you advance in your career your job gets more fun your salary grows like everything just gets better and so i think a lot of us should be dreaming really big but i think it can feel scary for people because i think the minute we go to that place and allow ourselves to reach that's when all of the stories come up and all the things about ourselves start surfacing. And it's like, but, but I'm not good at this and people are going to find out that and then this thing's going to happen. So we don't even let ourselves go there because that discomfort is a lot for us to sit in. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And again, they're so heavy, right? Because we think of that stuff, but we never think of the good stuff, right? We think of what could go wrong. We don't think of all of the stuff that could possibly go right. And I think one of the biggest things is starting to see those blockers, those narratives, those limiting beliefs as either just like that's our basically like self-doubt coming up, trying to keep us small, right? So they're not even based on anything, right? There's no foundation necessarily to some of the things that will be in the mix of the narratives that we hear. And then when there are some that feel like they're grounded on something, even if it's like this tiny grain of something, seeing it as assumptions to be tested. So if we were to extract different narratives, and even down to like, you know, the broad ones we make of like, oh my God, what if it all goes wrong? Well, what would that that mean for it to all go wrong? Like, what does that actually look like? And then how do we sort of show up or act accordingly to make sure that never happens, right? What do we put in place to make sure that that never happens? It's that taking different routes rather than just hearing that narrative and letting that stop you from even trying at all. And then like being open to testing these different ways and exactly as you said, you know, really absorbing once you take the action, how it makes you feel straight away so that that reinforces wanting to do it next time because you're doing it for that feeling and that how proud you are of you for doing it versus doing it until the outcome.
1: It's so funny like as you're talking about this the image that I have which is helpful for me maybe it'll be helpful for listeners is like the image of like us you me as like a mad scientist in a science lab <laughs> yeah. with like a petri dish and like a beaker and like if I add this to this and do this and it feels very I like that image because it feels very playful for me and it feels very curious and it doesn't feel scary. It feels fun. It feels like I'm going to try and see like when I mix all these things together, do I get like, you know, the chemical reaction, like the fun explosion that I'm trying to make happen? Or is it not going to work? Or is it going to blow up in my face? I don't know. Yeah,
0: Exactly. And I think that's the thing. That's exactly it is like the playfulness. Because I mean, let's think about it, even if it was to blow up in our faces. There's fun in that, right? We've tried it, like good for us for like putting some chemicals together and like now we've kind of got the places where it's like the smoke has just, you know, exploded in our face and we take off the glasses and you finally can like see again. But it's like even that then is fun. And it, I think it's then cheering each other on for like actually doing that thing and trying it, but knowing that there's then no harm in getting rid of like the smoke or whatever that's just exploded in our face and trying again, like getting fresh beakers, fresh ingredients. And going at it again and and I think that's another image I always use both with the individual coaching that I do but the team coaching is almost like we're detectives you know this is like an investigation we're gathering data so like let's start by putting loads of stuff on you know this sort of um, newspaper clippings kind of walls and then we're literally looking at it like how do we make how do we crack this right with that sort of absolute confidence that it's possible to crack like what would we do here? Like, what do we need to test? Who do we need to speak to? What action do we want to take? You know, and then it's going out there like it's possible. I think so often, exactly as you say, we think these big visions, but then that's all that they stay as. is like these big visions that we don't actually believe we can make happen. And I mean, let's be honest, like even if they're the craziest things in the world that are potentially the closest to being impossible anything could be, it would be so much fun to give that a go and like to go at it like it's possible still because there'll be so many adventures that unfold that wouldn't otherwise be unfolding if we just stay where we are.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And the phrase anything is possible is logically sound like possible means has the potential to happen. It doesn't mean anything is happening. It means anything has the potential and, and, Everything great that's been done in the business world, like whether it's at the level of your career or it's at the level of a company creating something that changes the world, it starts with potential and it starts with something that doesn't exist. So like you will never know unless you allow yourself to follow all of these breadcrumbs and see where they take you. And all of the good things started with an idea that seemed seemed kind of crazy, but someone was willing to believe that that specific idea was possible. Exactly. And actually this, it reminds
0: me of, so I recently started a podcast where I just release voice memos every week designed to ultimately coach people in that time. And one of them was called, why do we fear failure? And it was very much inspired by the fact that somebody after the first one that I put out had got in touch. So the first one I think was How is self doubt holding us back? And then the next one, the why do we fear failure came about because somebody messaged me and sort of listed out all of the stuff that they weren't doing because of self doubt, right? Like not moving to a new country, not changing jobs, not like moving area even, like not just not happy. And then I sort of thought about this and I thought, when I look back on the times where I think I've failed, right? My definition of failure is that it didn't get to where I wanted it to get to. But even when we think that failure, if that is not getting to where we want to, literally the only way we can guarantee that that will happen is by not doing anything, like not testing stuff, not taking action. And so we fear all of these sort of outcomes and risks, but actually we're literally creating the outcome we don't want by staying safe. You know, so that person that messaged who's not moving out of the fear of what if I move and I don't like it? What if you move and you love it? Like literally, but you won't ever know that if you don't test it. And again, that could be a tiny little experiment, right? Which is like, go there for the weekend. Do you like the vibe of the place? Like, again, like silly things, where we can always extract it down to that tiny step. But it just really got it just really sort of like, twisted my brain to be like, hang on a minute, failure is not getting to where we want to get to. And literally, the only way we do that is by not taking action towards that at all.
1: Well, this is a this can be very helpful for listeners. So speaking of not taking action, Can you share some of the common scenarios that you see with people who are in a nine to five world where they aren't taking action? Like where are they holding themselves back because of that fear? Gosh, so particularly in the people I've worked with and sort of across the board, it can be
0: anything from day to day, even what you mentioned, you know, not doing those extra things that their gut tells them, I want to do that, or I want to put myself forward for that, or I want to say this idea. To this person, but I'm not actually on that project. I shouldn't, you know. They'll they'll judge me, or they'll think they'll just reject it because I'm not on that team. It's really that not sharing, right? Not just putting stuff forward with a complete detachment of I'm going to reward myself for just putting this out there, rather than it doesn't matter if I don't get picked to lead this team. There'll be more in the future. It doesn't matter if my idea isn't the one that we take forward. I want to just show up for me, put this stuff forward for me, all the way through to like when people want to make career changes. You know, that fear of going for interviews and even trying that fear of even applying for something, both internally and like changing roles there, but externally as well, like moving to new roles. And it's just, it's those inner narratives that very rarely translate to how others see us, you know, but we Mm -hmm. hear them. And so it's that's enough for us to hold back a little bit. And it might even be just holding back like 10%, but that, you know, incrementally can then have a massive ripple effect on our growth and like how fulfilled we're feeling because we're not completely in the driver's seat, right? We feel like we're sort of following someone else's map or even sitting in the passenger seat sometimes rather than really showing up and being like, right, how am I like, how am I going to make this happen? Or this roadblock we've hit in this project, what am I, how am I going to think differently about this to actually show up and, and make it happen rather than sort of just follow the natural flow of everybody else and everyone else's rhythm. Mm.
1: Do you have any tips or tricks that people can use if they're having a moment of like sitting in a meeting, not sharing their ideas or holding themselves back? Is there anything that you would advise them to try to help give themselves a little push?
0: Yeah, gosh. Okay. So my the first thing that comes to mind was would literally just be think of what could be a tiny step. So in that first meeting, right, where you suddenly think to yourself, So you've listened to this and so it's the next day and you're like, I'm going to say something. I want to, I want to like put, I've got an idea for this, or I know the answer to that question and no one else is putting their hand up. If it's so scary to the point where like you fear that if you put your hand up, you're going to sound nervous and it's going to be visible. Just try something, like say something in that meeting. Maybe it's not the answer to that question, but maybe it's like, Hey, how's everyone doing? Or as you're leaving, it's saying goodbye to everybody. It's just, it's starting to take those tiny steps. So that when the next time you're in that meeting comes, you've broken the barrier, like you've done the hardest thing, which was speak up in front of everybody, right? In a sort of impromptu slash like putting your hand up or whatever the style is at work kind of way. It's just building that muscle. And like, don't beat yourself up for the fact that you don't go from like zero to 10 in a 30 minute meeting, go like from zero to one slash maybe two and reward yourself for that, right? Think of this, like, almost literally building muscle it's a single bicep curl after another is what builds the muscle the repetition and taking the action not expecting that we can see like a massive weight and walk over to it and like lift it in one fail swoop like maybe we can and maybe it will kind of feel like Oof, okay that's a rush but it's building this as a practice like to become someone that just from now on shows up in that way and the next thing I'd sort of share with people or leave with people I guess is don't worry that it's not been or doesn't feel like to you that that's not who you've been yet. Like that's a big thing that I sort of really think about is like that was then this is now, you know? So if, if it's like, Oh, I don't speak up in meetings. Like, well, you've not spoken up in meetings yet, or like you've not put your ideas forward yet. Like now you can, right? Like there's no need to like stay with that personality because nobody around you is as aware of what's going on for us internally you know, in the same way that they're thinking the exact same too. And I promise you, like I've, you know, now had the joy over the last however many years, like work with or speak to and meet people of all levels. And like, it's across the board, right? Same narratives, same fears, like all of the stuff in terms of rejection, fear of failure, like it's all there. And yet we look at others and fear that we're the only ones that have it. That's not like, we're not the only ones by any means. So like everyone can relate. And even a last thought actually that came to mind now is calling it out, you know, even just owning it and saying, oh, I just randomly got a bit nervous there, but I've got this idea straight off into it. You know, like ease your way in and just sort of build on that, I think is what I'd say is like, just find the next tiny step. So you're doing something rather than doing nothing
1: that is so so important and one thing that i would want to share with people to help take the edge off a little is this is something that worked really well for me is saying like okay i'm just going to try to do this small thing and then i'm going to build on it but if you do it like you introduce yourself or you say the thing and you're like oh okay great like that came out so awkward that didn't feel good like i shouldn't have done that oh my goodness i'm going to die like I've had that happen and that will happen and it's not always perfect. That's okay. You, you still did it. You still get credit for doing it. It's not supposed to look perfect and you have to be willing, willing to not know exactly how it's going to go and exactly how it's going to feel, but it will feel better. It won't be if it, if it does feel awkward, if it didn't, if you did it and it didn't feel great, it's not going to always feel that way every time into the future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And again, it's that rewarding the action and reward yourself as quickly as possible after doing the thing, you know, so that we don't let ourselves spin off into like, oh my God, that came out so wrong. Or like, it it wasn't what I thought it would be. Another thing that I've realized again is, because I used to do this massively, where I would walk away from walk, like workshops or talks and just tear myself apart. And then someone said to me one day, like, they don't know. What you forgot to say, you know, so you're beating yourself up because you're like, "Oh my God, I forgot to say this thing at the end, or recommend this book at the end, and it's like they don't care, like you <laughs> you're the only one that's like beating yourself up for that, and then another gem that I heard, which I think is helpful as well, is that it's not about us, right, like the idea we have, imagine if that idea was the thing that sparks the next idea that really helps people if you hadn't have done that, that wouldn't have happened so it almost just takes this pressure off of it being, it doesn't have to be perfect. As long as I say something, like that could cause this again, like avalanche of possibilities, right? Versus if I say nothing. And so again, it being, it's not about me, it's about
1: them. I love that. I'm gonna pivot now to what is normally a listener question, but we're doing something a little bit different today if you're ready for it. yes, Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, cool. So instead of answering a listener question, Jess had a really fun idea to do a listener challenge. So that's what we're going to do. Jess is going to share it with listeners. But before you share it, um, you you mentioned that as people are hearing the challenge, they might be feeling some resistance or having some thoughts. So I'm going to give you the floor to lay that out for us. Yeah, thank you. And I think we've sort of touched on it a little bit, right, which is that people might
0: be listening to this. And I know that I do this when I listen to podcasts or watch TED talks or whatever it is. Right. And we hear stuff that a little bit of us wants to do, but for some reason, it almost just skims over the top. We feel like, well, they're not speaking to me. This isn't for me. I'm not the person that does this stuff. Or if, you know, when we get to the step of asking you to get in touch, you'll be thinking they don't want to hear from me. You might open an email and draft it a little bit and then think, ah, no, like, why do they want to hear from me? And actually like that's the whole purpose. Like, the whole purpose of this is to fight against those narratives. And so, the challenge that we came up with and thought would be quite fun is really thinking of that big vision, right? So, doing that work to think who is that you that you want to create, that you want to build? And so, give yourself that time. It can just be a couple of minutes. It could be like on public transport as you're heading to work or like on a lovely Sunday. Set yourself sit with your eyes closed. And really let the images appear of your most extraordinary self. You know, who are you when you show up with everything you've got? Like, what is that you that you want to create? And so what we were then going to ask you to do is with all of the thoughts that come to mind, whether they're big, small, like there's no right or wrong, list everything down, list the changes that you want to make, and then pick one change, like one change that excites you the most. This is another, I think, key Piece of the growth is like following the excitement. So, whenever you've listened to this, right, whenever you've listened to the end of this podcast, email us with the change that you want to make. It can be very scrappy. It doesn't have to be like nothing is perfect and there's no judgment, right? So, it could be anything that feels right for you. And then just the next step that comes to mind and just super instinctive, really just follow the gut feel in terms of what change do I want to make and what's the tiniest step that I could take towards this today. And then Email us with that. And as a bit of a reward and a bit of a gift, I'll then share another question that can help you then turn that into reality. So we'll sort of do it bit by bit, again, tiny step by tiny step. But that's the first part is email us with the change you want to make and the tiny step that you're going to take today.
1: And if someone is thinking, maybe I'll do it, (laughs) how can you push them over the edge? Yeah, well, this is
0: that's the exact thing. I would say like that is self-doubt, right? That's our blockers showing up and let's say I've like sworn a little bit on this but I was about to swear like you know fuck that basically right that is your inner critic who I would call for me my evil Jess right trying to show up and hold you back like don't let them win you know we this is an invitation for you to email us like we would be over the moon to receive those emails and so what go you know might be going through your mind is that we wouldn't be over the moon that it would I don't know, be like, God, I think this a lot about when I'm emailing people that it's like pestering or like an annoyance or like adding to their plate or anything like that. And that's just our own fear trying to keep us small. And so simply to like go through the act of breaking through that blocker, do that for you, right? Show up for you and know that even if this isn't the type of thing you would say that you do, like that can change right so that was what you did like that's what you've not done yet but from like this moment on you're the person that follows through and that shows up for you and yeah obviously no biggie <laughs> if you don't don't beat yourself up and maybe it won't be immediately ready but this is yeah an invitation for you to do that and and engage with us and chat with us and for us to help you make that change that you want to make reality and and really take that first step towards showing up as the person that you want To be.
1: Amazing. And I will make this as easy as possible for everyone who wants to do it. I'm going to do it too, by the way, because this really is fitting in with where I am (laughs) in my life. And I'll put a summary of the steps in the show notes for anyone who wants to read it again, let it sink in and walk through it. I'll put my email address, I'll put Jess's email address, and mine is super ridiculously easy to remember. It's Jessica at theartofspeakingup.com. And I'll put all of the information that anyone needs at the bottom of the show notes so that they can follow along. And um, Jess is going to pick one brave soul who reached out to her. And I'm going to send them just a little gift to reward the bravery of taking that step and showing yourself that you can keep a covenant with yourself, that you respect yourself enough to do something for yourself that you know is going to enrich your career and enrich your life. So I'm really excited about this and this will move us into the closing section. But before I ask you the closing questions that I ask to every guest, I wanted to uh, have you share where listeners can get in touch with you. Yeah. So Thank you. That's Jess at
0: JessRatcliffe.com. I also have a ridiculously simple email. And then I'm also at Jess Ratcliffe on all socials. And then I guess if the sort of voice memos, coaching style, if people do actually want to go through a proper visualization in probably more, hopefully a bit more detail than what I did now, they can head to Unleashed with Jess Ratcliffe, which is my podcast. And there's a memo in there or an episode, but because to me, they're like sending people voice memos, I keep calling them voice memos, um, called Who Do You Want To Be? And that's actually where I guide you through in a bit more detail a part of the visualization from the sessions that I run. And so if people read, you know, listen to this, read the sort of steps and then think, oh, I want to go deeper or I can't do this by myself, they could go listen to that and then loop back to us. So Jess at Jess Ratcliffe, at Jess Ratcliffe on social. And I think that's it. Just Jess Ratcliffe in most places.
1: Perfect. And I'm going to put all of it in the show notes so that people can refer back to it. And now it is time for the closing questions, which are my favorite. The first closing question is about the title of the show, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And I love to ask every guest to share their thoughts on the importance of speaking up and what that means to them. It's so funny because actually, I feel like in a sort of beautifully
0: serendipitous way, this has become. Quite relevant for me, I think. So, I've recently been thinking a lot around boundaries and both professionally and personally. What do I say yes to? What do I say no to? You know, almost defining how I work. And I think for me, the importance of speaking up has come from the fact that there have been times over the last however long of doing my own thing, and even when I was working for others, where I would feel compromised, right? Like my integrity would feel compromised. But when I thought about it, it's also because I'd then not really set the rules of engagement or the rules of expectation. And again, I was speaking about it with a friend the other day, and she sort of said, you've not really set the, like, the boundaries of the field in which someone can play. So of course, like taking a silly example, but if someone, or not actually silly, I guess, because it is someone's time, but say that they were to reschedule a meeting really last minute, you know, it's like, of course, I'll do that if I've not spoken up and said, hey, like, actually, this is the sort of rules of engagement around rescheduling or whatever. Again, tiny example that sort of represents that actual owning how I work. And obviously, there's instances in which people just have to reschedule. But I think there's also times where it just, yeah, we prioritize what we think others need versus what we need. And so for me it was really thinking about how do i want to show up what do i want my integrity to look like and speaking up to that so that it's actually out there in the world rather than just feeling compromised if someone doesn't magically read my mind and guess that hey actually that's not cool or yeah this isn't the way that Jess wants to do stuff i guess and the first thing was even feeling that it's okay to actually set those right rather than just constantly going with somebody else's flow or fitting in with them but actually speaking up first to myself and then starting to speak them out into the world.
1: And now for the final question, some context is that I started this show because I had some difficult times in my own career. And I wanted to start the show to speak with women who might be going through something tough, might be trying to find their confidence or just looking to feel stronger and more empowered in themselves and in their careers. And so, I always give this last space to the guest to share whatever they would want to share, whatever is important for them to speak with listeners about.
0: I think for me, and again it it feels like a a good thread that's been throughout is really believing that it's possible, you know, in whatever shape or form that is, whether it's a day to day thought that you want to do something or a much bigger vision that you have, knowing that it's possible. For you, right? I think one of the key things and something that I definitely do is that I look to others and I don't almost imagine that they've got something magical that like I just don't have or that they don't struggle with certain things. And for me, I think the key has been realizing that the only difference for me in terms of how I started showing up. I guess really which was like showing up for myself was that I just made the commitment for it to be possible. Because nothing in me, and I always sort of give this example. Cause it's kind of funny, like literally other than, you know, the negative of my diagnosis, it's not like it gave me some like secret courage or like nothing changed to then suddenly think I'm going to do this stuff and like make the visions that I have for myself reality. And so, you know, suddenly being able to speak in front of even eight people, let alone through to like 80 or whatever other numbers I've done. Like if you told me that years ago, I would have been like, no "No way, I'm not doing that. You know, like I would have struggled to speak up in meetings. And I just think it's that believing it's possible and knowing that it's already in you. Like We just have to decide that we're going to act on it and start to then build that muscle of taking iterative action, rewarding ourselves in whatever way that feels right, so that we're building that confidence and that the confidence comes through taking the action. Like We don't have to wait to have it because we'll only have it once we start doing things that we want to do and showing up in the way that we want to show up so in a sort of loose rambly way I would just want to sort of grab people and say like it's possible you know like you can do whatever it is that you want to do and that you set your mind to and that you go at knowing it's possible like
1: owning that thank you so much Jess my pleasure thank you Jess (laughs) (laughs) it's a Jess matrix (laughs) yeah Thank you for listening. I had so much fun talking with Jess and I hope that you enjoyed it. And we really want to hear from you for real. So if you're thinking of doing the challenge that Jess threw out there, I'm going to put all of the information in the show notes. All you have to do is walk through this simple visioning exercise and come up with a couple of tactical action items that you want to do and then reach out to me and Jess and let us know what they are. And Jess is going to pick a winner as a reward for the bravery and we're going to send them a small gift. So please reach out. I think that it's really, really important when we're trying to grow and stretch ourselves to be able to do that in safe spaces, right? Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to do that for the first time in a very scary situation. And so you can think of this opportunity and many other opportunities that you'll see come up in life as safe spaces to stretch yourself. Nothing bad could possibly go wrong because well, I hope we're both really nice. We're both really nice and we just wanna hear from you. So if it's something that you wanna do, I really encourage you to do it and we are so excited to hear from you. Thank you as always for tuning in If you're loving the show and you want to give me some love, you can always leave a rating or a review in the iTunes store. Funny thing about that, I thought that the more ratings you have, the more people can find your show. And I'm not sure that might not be true. And there are other rumors swirling around that actually iTunes ratings and reviews are what people call vanity metrics. So they don't actually do anything people just get more reviews and ratings in the iTunes store to make their shows look good and to make their egos feel good, but it doesn't actually help people find the show, which is hilarious because upon learning that, my desire for ratings and reviews stayed the same, which could potentially mean that I'm vain. I don't know. It's a possibility. But either way, getting that feedback just makes me really happy. So if you're enjoying the show and you've been meaning to do it and you keep forgetting, feel free to do it now. And with that, I just want to thank you. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.